bless everyone. Everyone doing good? Loving the weather? Kinda. Um, so Cynthia and I, um, we, we came to church uh, a little heavy this afternoon. I'm not going to tell you why, but just that. And um, there's nothing like coming to church when you don't feel like coming to church. Because it's not just you guys, it's the pastor sometimes. We're human also, amen? But there's nothing like coming to church and still worshiping him regardless of what's going on in your life. We're living in such crazy times and, and we should be on fire for the Lord and want to worship him no matter what's going on in our life. Amen? So, um, yeah, so we came, and, and I told Cynthia, like, we're just going to try, honey. Like, I know stuff is going on, but we're just going to worship God. And we were singing, uh, I don't even remember what we were singing, but the words were just like, I'm never going back. I'm never going back. Why? Why would I go back to, to a, a life that doesn't have any reward? Why would, I go, why would I go back to a life that brings nothing but pain and sorrow without Christ? Why would I go back to a life with no identity, with no sense and confidence that I'm saved, that, I'm, that I belong to a father that loves me? Why would I go back? There's no answers in the world. It's, it's in Jesus Christ. We actually have the answer that the world is searching for. I'm never going back. Can you say that with me? I'm never going back. I'm never going back. No matter what life throws at us, Lord, I'm never going back. Amen? Life is tough, y'all. Yeah, for everyone. But we have Jesus. We should be confident in Christ. I'm never going back. Amen? Um, I want to... I have a word that God spoke to me that I entitled truth versus truth. And the title's kind of funky and funny, but you'll see why. So I want to open up in the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 7. And this is a very familiar story. I'm sure most of you have heard this story. It's the story of Stephen and the way that he has stood for truth and, and he became a martyr and eventually died. So we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. And we're going to read from verse 51 through 60. When the Lord spoke this word to me last week, I was... Uh, just I, I woke he woke me up like at four in the morning and began to speak to me about this. So I want to challenge you today to just really listen. If you want to take notes, if that helps you, do that. But uh, can I get an amen if you're there? Acts seven fifty one, please. Amen. All right, I'm reading New King James. It says, "You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears." You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which one, I mean, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? 
And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, meaning Jesus, um, of, whom, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and said, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, or covered their ears, and ran at him with one accord. That's so incredible. And they cast him out of the city. And stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Isn't that incredible? He fell asleep. I want to kind of give you the background story of Stephen a little bit. Uh, I, I would urge you to read the book of Acts chapter 6 and 7 to get the full scope. I can't read the whole thing today. There's no time. But I just want to give you a little background. So the story is that people were slandering Stephen. Basically, they were making up lies about him. They were saying and bringing up false witnesses, saying that, that he was saying that Christ was going to come and destroy the temple. And be careful when you touch a person's religious views. I'm talking about like someone that's all about just religion and not relationship with God. Be careful when you talk about their stuff because they take to offense. So they started to make up these lies about Stephen saying that, that he was saying that, that Christ was going to come and destroy the temple. That Christ was going to come and destroy the law of Moses. Oh boy, the law of Moses. They just went crazy with that. That he was going to come and just get rid of the, the history that these Jews had. This was the tactic of the enemy to create this slander about Stephen because Stephen was a powerful man of God. Stephen was, was a man of God that, that was full of God. He, he was anointed. He followed Jesus wholeheartedly. He understood the gospel. And he was not afraid to talk about God and to talk about the Savior, Jesus Christ. So the enemy actually, in fear of Stephen, began to create this slander and these lies about Stephen so that the people can turn on him. Are you with me so far? The enemy at work to use slander to, to destroy the church, its credibility, and to basically destroy the message of the church. Perhaps some people were saying that the temple should be destroyed. Maybe there was some people saying that. But it wasn't the church of Jesus Christ that was saying that. Because the church of Jesus Christ, the disciples of Jesus, we don't want destruction for the world. 
We want the world to be saved, just like Jesus wants the world to be saved. And I know there's people out there that talk about destruction, and they almost like, like seeing that the world is going to be destroyed, but Jesus doesn't. His heart is not for others to be lost. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that Jesus wants people to be saved, that he came not to condemn, but to save the world. That's his heart. So the devil here is wanting to corner the church into a place of hatred, into a place of bigotry. Saying that the church doesn't like a certain group of people. So that they can turn against the church. And eventually, in the enemy's mind, thinking he's going to get rid of the church. But here we are 2,000 years later. Praise God. Amen. And he's still trying to destroy the church. He's still trying to divide and and conquer. He's still trying to put the church in a place where it looks to the world like the church hates everyone. Same concept, just repeating. And we fall into it sometimes as the church. The church of Jesus Christ hasn't been called to condemn but to save. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, the Bible says in Corinthians. Amen? To reconcile men to God. So the enemy begins to plot against Stephen to use false witnesses. So what was happening? There was this group that didn't really like the church. It wasn't even the Pharisees. I mean, they didn't like the church either. But there was this group that rose up. And they began to tell people and pay them and say, look, just say that Stephen said that he wants the temple to be destroyed. Just say that to the Jewish leaders. And they did. They began to rise. These false witnesses began to to come and, and say that Stephen was saying that when he wasn't. The way that Stephen came about, the apostles were, uh, were tired. <laughs> they were preaching, reading the word, praying, and cooking the food and passing it around and serving everyone and cleaning up. They were doing everything. And one day Peter says, you know, we can't continue to do everything and preach and teach and do everything. It's not possible. So I want you guys, he told the people, the, the elders, he said, I want you guys to choose seven men. These seven men will be deacons of the church. They will take care of the day-to-day business. They will do the, the cooking, the cleaning, the passing of the food, and taking care of the people. And we will be reading the word, praying, and then preaching the word. Amen? So they chose seven powerful men. Stephen was... Among them, this is a deacon of the church. And the Bible says in chapter 6 that as soon as these seven men were appointed, they, they prayed for them, they were appointed, they were, they were released into their ministry. It said immediately after that happened, it says that the people multiplied. There's such a kingdom principle there. That when people are growing in Christ, 
That when people are, are receiving a call from God, that a leader would see that, appoint them to ministry, and see the church multiply. Stephen was one of those people appointed in the kingdom by the apostles, actually by the people, and prayed for by the apostles. Because God wants his kingdom to advance, amen? He wants his kingdom to grow. And he wants to use us to do it. But the enemy, he, he doesn't want that, obviously. He, he, he loves the territory that he owns. He wants to continue to hold that territory. And when he sees that the kingdom is advancing, when he sees that seven deacons have been raised up in the kingdom, they've been prayed for and released and the church is multiplying, he starts to plot, how can I steal, kill, or destroy this? Because I don't want God's kingdom to advance. So he creates what I call the villain effect. He creates a villain among the, among the people. So that the people can't want to murder and destroy this monster. I can't believe that Stephen is saying these things about us. I can't believe that Stephen is this so-called man of God has risen up and, and said and spoken these lies and this slander against us. He's the villain. He's the monster. We should get rid of him. We must never create villains in our own life. Amen? We must not create other human beings as villains and monsters that we want to see taken away. I know it's hard. It's easier said than done, but our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers that reign in the darkness. When we create villains, it's easy to kill them or plot against them to destroy them. Every movie almost that comes out now, it's a hero and a villain. Every TV show, every, everything. It's a hero and a villain. And right when we're at the movies, like, kill him, get him. Get him, Superman, get him. And then we, we apply it to real life. We forget we're not in the movies anymore. Oh, that's a monster. He, we should get rid of him or her. Do not create human villains in your life. There's only one enemy the church has. Only one. And that's Satan. I, I kind of I have breaking news for you. I don't know how, how many of you have been a Christian a while or, or been going to church for a while. I have breaking news. You ready? The, the devil hates you. Yeah, yeah, he wants to see you destroyed. And I know that's not pretty. It's not like, uh, oh, you know, but it's the truth. But he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen? Amen. So be assured, be reassured that who, he who is in us is greater. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So they create this villain. Satan and his tricks, using the influence of the people, they create this villain. And so this group then goes to the Jewish leaders. And they're like, hey, Stephen is saying this. We have witnesses. Check this out. Witness number one. Witness number one comes out. Big old liar, right? He 
He's like, yeah, Stephen said, I heard him, that he wants to destroy the temple. Witness number two, yeah, he said he wants to get rid of the law of Moses. And everyone's like, oh, no. We must go see what this is about. We must get rid of this monster, this villain. So it leads us to where we began to, to read today. It leads us to them confronting Stephen. And the lies were not going to hold up. The truth was going to hold up. Stephen was not a hater of mankind. He didn't hate man- mankind. He loved people. And he was not being emotional, by the way. Because when I first read verse 51, 52, and 53, I was like, whoa, that's harsh. Is he mad? Is he okay? He was not being emotional. The Bible says that he was full of the Holy Spirit when he spoke the truth. Not many people want to hear the truth. I don't. But it's better to hear the truth than to live in a lie. Why did they kill Stephen? Because he actually said that Jesus was going to destroy the temple? Nope. Because he said they were going to hell? He didn't even say that. Because he hated them? Nope. Because he was a bigot? No. Stephen hit them at their core, in their personal so-called truth. When the Lord revealed this to me, I was, I got scared. There's a personal truth, and then there's the truth. Amen? And we have to be okay with not knowing everything. We have to be okay. All of us here, including me, we have to be okay with us learning from God and learning from men of God and women of God. We have to be okay with that. Stephen hit them at their core. What was in the core of these Jewish believers? I want you to picture this. So in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God descends upon the people, and and Peter says that the Spirit was poured upon all flesh. So the Spirit's been poured out, okay? I know some people say, like, we can't wait till the Spirit pours out on all flesh. It happened already, Acts chapter 2. Amen? Okay, we're set. All right. So then what does the Holy Spirit begin to do? What he's doing right now. He begins to convict people of their sin. Now, he doesn't do it in a mean way where he's condemning people. Thank you. But he begins to convict people of their sin. Okay? So people, these Jewish leaders know, they know deep inside that they did something wrong. Do you know? I know. When I do something wrong, I know. Oh, boy. Yeah, that doesn't feel very nice. Right. And it's not like a like, a, oh, I'm condemned and I'm going to hell. It's more like, Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up right there. I'm sorry, God. And the Lord's ready to forgive. He forgives. He's like ultimate forgiveness. Right. But we need to say it sometimes like, Lord, I'm sorry. Like I messed up. But these men, what they have been doing. Oh, my God. I saw their heart as I was reading it. I just envisioned God spoke to me. I could feel their heart. What they were doing was they were suppressing the truth. For their own unrighteousness, the Bible says. They were like, no, no, that's not true. That's not true. We did, we did a right thing, right, guys? 
We killed Jesus. That, that, was a, that was the right thing to do, right? Convincing themselves. But when Stephen spoke, he didn't say, yes, we're going to destroy the temple. He, said, he, he didn't say that. He spoke the truth of their heart. And they had two choices. They can humble themselves and ask for forgiveness. Or they can kill him. And kill the noise of the truth. And I saw their hearts as I was reading this. And the Jewish leaders are like, that's true. We need to get rid of this guy. They did the same thing with Jesus. When Jesus resurrected Lazarus, they didn't say, oh my God, this is the the Messiah, the anointed one. They said, we got to get rid of him. They wanted to kill Jesus and Lazarus. This is the condition of the heart. We need truth in our lives. And we have it. His name is Jesus. Amen. Give him a hand. We have the truth in our lives. The truth. Again, Stephen wasn't condemning them. He wasn't telling them, yes, Jesus will do He wasn't doing all of that. He spoke the truth of their hearts. Let's read it again. Verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Okay, first of all, that uncircumcised part for a Jew is, is not good. Okay? That word, sometimes in other versions, it says heathens. But it means uncircumcised. Meaning they, they were blind, in other words. You always resist. Listen to the words. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not? They killed all the prophets. And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one. Of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So Stephen doesn't say what they expect him to say. So they ask him, so Stephen, is it true that you've been saying these things about the temple and about Moses? And he starts with this. I love how he starts. He's like, fathers, with respect. Awesome honor and respect that he had for these leaders. He's like, fathers and brothers. I'd like to tell you a story. I'm paraphrasing. It all started with Abraham when he left his father, his land, and came to the promised land. And he starts to go through, through Abraham, through, through Isaac, through Jacob, through David, and just starts to go all the way through this point here. And we see the reaction that they have. Like I said, Holy Spirit was already telling them this inside. See, that's what we have to do. And, and, and we, need to get, we need to practice that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that we would be obedient, that we would listen to him and, and confess stuff that is in you and humble, just humble yourself and say, I need help with this. I need prayer for this. The Bible says in James, confess your sins and you shall be saved. It's not talking about eternal salvation. It's talking, talking about a condition of heart sometimes, that sometimes we don't express what's happening inside of us And we suppress it, and that's not healthy for us. 
We try to just like get over it sometimes, right? Like, no, it's fine. In my head, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. <laughs> these beautiful human beings that God loved, God loved these men, had suppressed the truth so much, they had let pride settle in so much, and became emotional and angry when Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, spoke the truth. It shook their foundation. We can't be so arrogant that we cannot learn from each other as people of God. Amen? Let me repeat that. Maybe you didn't get it. We can't be so arrogant that we cannot learn from each other as people of God. Me included. Everyone here. But you see religious Leaders become so arrogant sometimes. No one can teach them anything. And that's how these Jews, these, these Jewish leaders were. Who's this Stephen? He's only a deacon. He's trying to teach me something. So they commit this violent act, right? It was so violent that they even had to take their coats off. That's another part of this story that I hadn't really paid attention to, the violence that a group of human beings can cause because they suppress the truth. Throwing rocks at someone, that's not, that's not like easy. It's, that scene is not easy to watch. People dying from the impact of rocks. People picking up, I, I don't even have big hands, but I can imagine like, like a pancho picking up a rock like, like a size of his hand. Forget it. It shows the condition of the heart of people sometimes. I would rather kill the truth than ever humble myself to it. Another crazy part of the story is Stephen had just finished saying, you always kill the prophets. He had just finished saying, you always get rid of the truth when God sends it your way. And they do it again. Why am I telling you all of this? Are we just going to... Talk about how someone passed away, how someone died. No. I, I want to tell you these things today because there's going to be times where we're going to have to stand on the truth. And we're going to have to say the truth. And that's hard sometimes. That's hard when you're sitting around the break room at work and, you know, the topics start to come up. And you're just like, oh, okay, my lunch is over. Man, it's, it's been tough recently. I had a funny story. I've been ministering to this young lady. Well, she's not, she's 40, but we'll say young lady. <laughs> no offense to anyone. <laughs> um, I've been ministering to her at work, talking to her about God and about just, you know, trying to help her out. And uh, we had one... Basically, I just go over to her desk, and I'm just like, how are you? And then, you know, and then I give her advice and pray for her and stuff. 
So the first time, it was, it was awesome, and she said, oh, I put it to practice what you told me, and I've been having less stress, and, and like, I just feel so much better. And I'm like, awesome, praise the Lord. So we had another time where I talked to her, and I, I talked to her about forgiveness um, and how we need to just forgive, because forgiveness helps us. It doesn't, the other person is just like chilling, and you're like holding all this stuff in. Forgive, you know, just as God has forgiven us. So had an awesome conversation with her about 20 minutes. And I know I was at work, but um, then I, I walked away. We, we were kind of the last ones in the office. And I walked away and, and, and I went back to my, my little desk, my cubicle. And she comes by and she's like, hey, mijo, have you ever thought about being a pastor? And I'm like, inside, laughing. And I'm like, no, you know, I've never really, uh, never really considered it. Yeah, you should really, should really think about that. You know, I know there's stuff you can do. I don't know. I don't know how it works. But just, you should really think about it. I'm going to think about it. You're right. I'm going to think about it. (laughs) I I just, I want to be a child of God to bring hope to people. They don't need to know my titles or any of that. They need to know who Jesus is. They don't need to know who I am. Amen? Now, the light can bring exposure, right? When you turn on the lights, all the roaches go under the sink, right? It can bring exposure. But the light in the kingdom is not meant to hurt you, right? It's, it's meant to, yes, get rid of the darkness but it's not to hurt you, it's to save you. What Stephen was speaking to these, to these people was, humble yourself before God, because he wants to save you. That was the heart behind it. Amen? Amen. I just want to read real quick Acts chapter 6, verse 5, if you can go with me. I just want to show you the condition of, of uh, Stephen's heart. Acts 6. Five. Wait. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it says, uh, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And there are the other, the other deacons there, Philip, Pro- Prochorus, Nicanor, Tim- I say that, Timon? Is that like Lion King? Did I just say it like Lion King? <laughs> Let's read verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. The deacon. So good. Verse 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Speaking of Stephen. So he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit full of power with great signs and wonders, and people could not resist his wisdom and the spirit from which he spoke. So when Stephen spoke, he was not speaking emotionally. He was speaking full of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we want to say the truth, but we're being emotional. We have to make sure that we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Stephen, awesome man of God, he judged righteously in that moment. He judged righteously by the Holy Spirit. The religious leaders were not used to hearing the truth, 
And the political leaders were not used to saying the truth. Sound familiar? I'll say that again. The religious leaders were not used to hearing the truth. And the political leaders were not used to saying the truth. So when they heard the truth, instead of setting them free, it it did something else. We can never be a a people afraid to speak the truth or a people too arrogant to hear the truth. We are not full of the political or religious spirit. We are full of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, why do I mention these two? I'll, I'll, I'll start to end here and land the plane right now. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. I just want to show you. Mark chapter 8, verse 15. For now, just verse 15. I want to show you what Jesus said about the political and religious spirit. Are you there? Mark eight fifteen says, Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. Herod was the political leader. And Jesus is telling them, Do not live like the Pharisees who live a double life. They do not live holy lives. They were super hypocritical. They would tell people, you guys got to live holy. And they were supposedly praying for single women in, in their home. Jesus said that. I didn't say that. And Herod, he was the king, supposedly, of the Jews at that time. But when he got around the Jews, he was Mr. Yes, I keep the law and I sacrifice and praise God. Hallelujah. Right? But when he got with the Romans, he did all the crazy stuff the Romans were doing, worshiping the pagan gods, like doing all this other stuff, right? And not speaking the truth. Both did not live honest lives before God or men. Stephen and others, like the church, did. So the religious leaders and the political leaders, like Herod, hated the church. That's why we as a church, we can't get too political. Amen? And we can't get too religious. Amen? We have to have balance. We have to, we belong to Christ. Amen? So Jesus is talking to them and saying, look, I don't want you to take part in the leaven of the Pharisees or in the leaven of Herod in the spirit from which they function from. That's not how I want you to live lives. I want you to live honest, true, sincere, and genuine lives. If you have a problem with something, I want you to talk about it and be honest. If you need help, if you need prayer, if you need, if you have addictions, if if you're having a hard time with family, with husband, with whatever you're going through, I want you to talk about it. Be genuine and sincere because that's what's going to set you free. Don't hide behind religion. Don't hide behind the position of power as a politician. Don't hide behind the position as a, as a religious leader. I don't want you to be like that because you're my disciples. You're not the disciples of a religion. You're the disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so I was reading this, and I kept reading. That's, that's a very key for reading the Bible, right? Read a verse, catches your attention, oh, keep reading. Or, or read before it and just read the whole thing, but keep reading. Amen? So we kept reading. 
me and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to keep reading today. Let's see if you catch it. Verse 16. Look at at the reaction of the disciples. Jesus is talking about the leaven of Pharisees and Herod. And they go, and they reason among themselves, saying, it is because we have no bread. (laughs) But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, why do you reason because you have no bread? They thought that he was talking about bread. Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Listen, please listen and catch this. Is your heart still hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Listen to this. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? Meaning what was left over? They said to him, 12. Okay. Also, when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, seven. Okay. So he said to them, how is it you do not understand? <laughs> so basically, they were more confused than how they started. <laughs> but since we have the Holy Spirit... He gives us revelation. He, Jesus doesn't speak just to speak. When he speaks, it has purpose behind it. It has meaning behind it. Our God is not a simple one-dimensional God. He's multi-dimensional. There's so many things you can pick up from him from just a few words. How is it you do not understand? So they fed the 5,000. And they had 12 baskets left over. They fed the 4,000, and they had seven baskets left over. 12, which is considered a perfect number, is a number that symbolizes God's power and authority because it is the perfect governmental foundation. 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 apostles, there's 24 elders in heaven. Old Covenant, New Covenant. The number 12 is the perfect number for government in the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Seven is the number of completeness and wholeness. It says that he made stuff for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested. So it also has rest in it, but it's because God completed the work and was showing us that you rest on the seventh day, meaning you rest in him. Amen? And the work that he has done. Are you with me so far? So he's talking to them about the leaven. That's why you got to keep reading. He's talking to them about the leaven of the political world and of, of the religious world in their time, which is very similar to ours, by the way. And he says the answer is in the two miracles we just did not long ago, which to me, again, blows my mind because Jesus is doing miracles for the people but they have meaning for his disciples. It's not just willy-nilly, I'm doing miracles. So the leaven of the Pharisees, uh, can you put the chart up, please, that I made? I don't know if you guys can see. I hope you can. But on one side, we have the leaven, and on the other side, we have the kingdom, the kingdom of God. The leaven of Pharisees is the religious spirit. It is what you can do to look religious and try to please God. 
Amen? It's a trying to please God. It's, it's the religious spirit. Herod is the political spirit. Is what you do to please people through affectation. I'll tell you what that is. Relying on human government for affirmation. So the word affectation means behavior, speech, or writing that is artificial and designed to impress others. So I don't know if you know anyone like that. That always trying to impress. I used to have a friend like that in high school. And we set him up one day real nice and caught him in his affectation. And it was mean, but it happened. And I repent and I'm a son of God now, so it's okay. <laughs> so um, he always said, he always wanted to outdo the next person. Oh, you got the new Jordans? Oh, I got, yeah, I got some too. They're just at the house right now. Like that was his style of communicating. So as we started growing up and people started getting cars and they were buying like sound systems for their cars, one of my friends said, hey, have you heard of the, he made up a name, I forgot what name he made up, the Paraditus speakers. He's like, yeah, I just got them. And then we were like, oh, really? How much were they? And he said some random price. And we were like, you're such a liar. They don't even exist. We just made that up right now. So affectation is kind of like that. It's behavior, speech, and writing that is artificial and designed to impress others. So why do the politicians and some religious leaders stand up to hear the applause of men? Because they need affectation. They need to feel good. Are you with me? And I put there, relying on human government for affirmation. Recently what has happened, the Lord has been speaking to me. And I, I saw that people, their foundation was shaken a little bit because of the elections. And because, because we as Christ believers, we don't really rely on human government. We rely on the kingdom of God and Jesus. Amen. So it didn't scare me at all. Like I was like, okay, well, we got church this Friday, right? And, but some people need affirmation means they need to feel good about themselves and since God can't give them that affirmation because what the lifestyle that they're living, they seek it from an outside source, meaning government. And when the government says, we're not really going to give you that affirmation, they get frightened and they get scared. So on the other side, Jesus gives us the answer to religious and political spirit. He says 7 and 12. He tells his disciples. Now, his disciples didn't get it, but thank God we have the Holy Spirit. And he reveals it to us. 7, meaning completeness through grace. Because he completed it, we receive righteousness, identity, wholeness. God rested on the seventh day so we can rest in him. Amen? Amen? So he gives us the answer there. You don't need to be religious because you're not saved by what you do or how you try to please God. You're saved by what Jesus did. Amen? Amen? By the grace of God. So he says, seven, you're complete. You don't need to fake it. You can be sincere and genuine. Then he says, 12. How many baskets did we pick up? 12. Heaven's foundation for government. Kingdom offers pillars of values. It makes us solid on who we are. We can speak the truth of the gospel without the fear of men. Because we don't fear men. We fear God. So we can speak the truth. Amen? Amen? 
That's why it's truth versus truth, but the other truth is not really truth. It's only one truth. What an awesome revelation, amen? So Jesus says, look, how do, how do you not understand? 12, 7, you should know this. Many people look outside themselves to be accepted and affirmed. All of us, actually. They look to government. They look to religious leaders. I'm here to tell you as a voice from God that you don't need to look to structures and people for affirmation and acceptance. It's found in God and only in God. You're going to go through life. Some of you are really young. You're going to go through life trying to find acceptance from, you know, your wife, your girlfriend, your parents, whoever. You're not going to find it there. Only going to find it in God. Are you standing for truth and righteousness? I believe that you are. We don't hate. We don't judge. We stand in truth. Are your, ear, are your ears open to learn? To hear from God? Will you speak the truth in love no matter the outcome? So Stephen is there. And he's getting rocks thrown at his face. And he's look, he looks up to heaven. He sees the heavens open. And he sees Jesus standing. And I've told you guys this before. But some of you are new, so you're going to hear it for the first time, maybe. <laughs> and he sees Jesus standing. Now, normally Jesus is sitting. The Bible says that he sits at the right hand of the Father. But this instance, he's standing. Because Stephen is standing. See, I used to think that Jesus was standing because Stephen was suffering. But now I believe that Stephen was actually not even feeling the pain. He was seeing the glory of God. But because Stephen was standing for the truth, Jesus was standing with him. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. It's for you, my Lord. As Stephen is standing for grace and truth, Jesus stands with him. So I want to tell you, stand for what Jesus stands for and sit for what Jesus sits for. Do not get caught up by religious spirit or political spirit. Our king is Jesus. Our pastor is Jesus. Our apostle is Jesus. He's our king. And he has a cabinet. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to the church to help me out. To teach the people, edify them, have them grow so they can all do the work of the ministry. We have a king in his office. And we can stand for truth. Amen? Look, I don't, I don't know what you're going through or what your situation in life is. But I do know that there's a God that cares. That... He listens to you. And he's speaking to you. He's asking you to stand with him. He'll stand with you. And whatever you're going through. You're not alone in this life. Our generation meaning people that are alive today, a lot of us are trying to make it. 
We don't have to try to make it. In Jesus, we've made it. He's given us completeness, wholeness, righteousness. He loves us so much. I know that some of you might be going through stuff in life right now. And you're expecting God to do something. I believe God can do it. I still believe in miracles. I've seen them. I've experienced them. Yes, God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.